Hi everyone, my name is Walter Lim, and thank you for tuning in to the Majestic Road Podcast. Life with God is a wonderful journey that has its ups and downs, and when you're down, it might seem impossible at times to get back up. But then, you hear an inspiring story of breakthrough that lifts you up and puts you back on the road with the Lord. On today's show, you'll hear the story of Kay Lee, a youth pastor, loving wife, and mother to three children. Find out how she went from living the corporate world to finding true joy once the Lord called her to ministry. She details how personal rejections and a life-threatening condition helped her bring her identity in the Lord to another level. Plus, hear how a friend of hers went from co-worker to family member. Please enjoy our conversation and may it be a blessing to you. Let's get going. Today's guest I have known for, well, according to Facebook, 11 years, but I feel like it's been a good longer time. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I'm honored and I'm very thankful to have her as a friend. Um, and she's a tremendous woman of God who loves the Lord, serves the Lord, uh, and does a lot of things that I'm very proud to be part of and know of. Uh, she served the youth in churches and just dedicated her life to the youth ministry. Got married. Three beautiful kids in a which includes twins. Yes. <laughs> um, and just living life now. So how do you do it? Welcome, Kaylee. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, very excited to do this. Um, but how are you? How, how is it life now? You know, you're here as we're taping this. It's like in the evening and you're yes, alone. And how I have to apologize again for being late because my children would not cooperate. But I think they're sleeping with my husband. At home right now, so feel free to check your phone every so often. <laughs> but I'm very, very glad to be here. <laughs> oh, thanks. I mean, do you find that as an escape now, since you have this time alone? Without... Yes. So I'm like really grateful that I'm out of the house right now. <laughs> or am I going to be worried in about 20 minutes? You're like, wait, where are my children? Or what's missing? No, no. no? You don't have all that. All good. All good. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. Well, like I said, we've known each other for a while, and which is nice, and we've started on other ministries. Mm -hmm. where we have had late nights. Yes. Um, kind of curtailing and curbing the youth. Mm. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, a little shameless plug for KFM. <laughs> Take him if you're listening. Yes, August, you're having another conference. Woohoo! Yeah, I wonder. Um, but I think what I'm excited about is to hear your journey. So mm. are you ready to share and just really um, just tell the world how God has been impacting your life? Yeah. Let's do All this. I'm about it right now. <laughs> All right. So obviously, currently, you're a full-time mom. Mm -hmm. Did serve in the youth ministry after getting the calling. But before we get to that and move on, mm -hmm. was there a chance that there was something else in your life, a different path, different career that you may have taken? So I went to college for graphic design and marketing. And after I graduated, I was um, in the advertising industry for about two years doing graphic design. And um, this is how I guess my story begins, that I loved it, that I, I felt successful in, in like the thing that I studied at school, that I was able to get a good job afterwards. But that's it. I, I hated everything else. Um, the long nights, even the, the creative part, or even like the, the money that I made. Um, yeah, I was able to do good things like pay off my tuition and live the good life, right? Hanging out with my friends, buying all the expensive stuff. <laughs> 
But at the end of the day, I was not happy. But even deeper than that, I was not a joyful person. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. there was no joy. But there was such a big difference from when I was at work um, compared to when I was serving at church. Because um, at that time, all throughout college and um, my first couple of years as a young professional, um, I was deeply involved with my church ministry. Um, not because I had an, any idea that I was going to go into ministry myself, but I just had to fill in a need because um, the church, my home church, um, at that time didn't have a youth pastor. And mm. they had a really hard time um, finding a new person to come in. So until that person came in, I was pretty much your interim youth pastor. I never thought of myself that way <laughs> at that time, but I was pretty much preaching every Sunday, um, designing Bible curriculum for the Bible <laughs> studies, and taking the kids out to youth events and you know, having meetings with the leaders. So yeah, I was really in youth ministry at that time. And, and that was where all my joy was. Okay, okay. I was going to say that was a very quick introduction, if yeah. not, right? Going from the corporate world, which, you know, I think most people would say, oh, why would you pass that up or mm. why would you want to? And, you know, joy being the key word. Mm. I think, you know, some people just literally when they hate their job, <laughs> hate their job. And obviously you've been in the church your whole life. Mm. You grew up in the church and that kind of surrounding obviously, I would say prepared you, you know, for this and knowing that when you had that opportunity at your home church to step in, was that kind of how it worked or was there a different, you know, would you say that was the calling from God or was it something else where you said, you know what, no, me serving this church in any capacity is what I was destined to do? Well, you know what, like I, I never saw myself in ministry because I never had an example of a woman in mm. leadership. All throughout my um childhood growing up, I never had any female pastors or even um, female leaders that I could look up to. So actually, when I was thinking about um, what we were going to be talking about tonight, um, I briefly had a conversation with my mom, and she told me that when I was like in elementary school, after church one day, I said, uh, Mom, I'm going to be a pastor when I grow up. <laughs> I, mean, I don't remember this, but this is what she said, so I got to believe her, right? <laughs> and she's like, why? And my answer was, well, I, I, I don't see any other female pastors, so I'm going to be a pastor. And I, I guess that early seed was planted when I was in elementary <laughs> God school. God knew what he was doing with you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But I, but I was telling that story because um, when I was in college and, and was a young professional, I, I never thought of myself as going into ministry. So all I thought I was doing at that time was, hey, there's a need, and I speak English, and I love the Lord, so why don't I do what I can until someone shows up? Right, right, okay. I mean, there is a, I don't want to say there's a danger in that, but, you know, when we do things out of need, it's, it becomes work, mm -hmm. but I'm glad that it didn't for you. I mean, was there something that you saw that, okay, you know what, I'm actually enjoying this, and, you know, it's not work, it's actually like, you didn't want to take it away. You didn't want to be taken away once you knew that there was going to be somebody else. No? I don't know. So this definitely has been all orchestrated by God. <laughs> because 
during that exact same time, college and my young professional years, was when I was serving with you in Jericho Falls Ministry. Yes. And it is such a, a pivotal time in my life because that was when I saw like passionate and powerful females mm. leading, preaching and teaching. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And, and that was when God started to slowly open my eyes to the possibility of, of me being a pastor and going into ministry. Right, you're right. No, I think it gave us a different view. And you, know, and you mentioned that too, because outside of having these tremendous women speakers, reaching out to the youth, mm -hmm. to giving them this platform, you know, and you've definitely made the impressions. And I've seen the kids that you've served, and I've seen how they've grown. And you've obviously seen it from your time with them. Um, was there a moment where you just knew that, like, okay, doing this for the duration, I mean, maybe outside of the JFM events, mm -hmm. but at your church where you're like, oh, thank God I chose this direction and helping these kids? It, it wasn't anything like, big, but I think it was those moments where my, my kids, I really felt like they were my kids, right? Even though I was a kid myself, <laughs> um, they felt that they can come to me with their problems. And there was definitely a trust that was given to us by God. It wasn't just like, all right, she's a cool person, but it was kind of like a sacred connection that we had. And I was like, all right, this is it. This is what I want to do. Okay, yeah, that connection is key. And, you know, obviously, you've been on break for, well, since the three kids, right? Yeah. Okay. But obviously, you've spent a lot of time, and you're looking at the generation now. What do you think is the most challenging thing facing the youth, especially in the church? You know, I think the, um, the passion that kids have hasn't changed. You know, like, that's just the characteristic of being a teenager, just mm -hmm. being passionate. And I think um, when we were younger, I don't know if I can use the word easy, but it was simpler, mm, you know, okay, back true, then. You right. know, we didn't have like so many things bombarding us. But now um, I see the, the youth being bombarded by so many different things that this passion that is bubbling inside of them, it gets caught up into the, all these different things and it, it just goes back and forth. And... I do know that once they realize that, man, I was created to be passionate to worship God, mm. you can see that light bulb, light bulb go off. Yeah. And it's amazing. It is amazing how life is, like you said, simpler when we were all, I don't want to age myself, but you know, <laughs> when we were younger and now kids have just so much more distractions. Yeah. No, it's true. And, you know, I feel that like you've done a tremendous job and I think... Yes, I agree. Empowering the youth, empowering women to really showcase what God has done and can still do um, in your life. And it's been a journey, but obviously journeys have its ups and its downs. Yes. You know, and there's some points when it's down where you're like, oh, man, I don't know. But I guess I need to ask you in your Christian walk mm -hmm. and what you've done and what you've experienced, you know, where was it or was there a breaking point for you, okay, that said, you know what? white flag, I can't, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like everyone asks too, like where is God in all this? Right. So what was your breaking point? Well, before I, I start sharing, um, could I ask your permission to um, not give you one, but two of breaking course. points? Of course, no, no, please. <laughs> there is no, I don't say rules, but 
because uh-huh. I was really thinking about this, and um, there is one big glaring one that God, you know, pulled me through when I was in my twenties, and I'm actually going through one now. Okay. So I thought it'd be um, a nice like flow continuation of how God is um, bringing me to to another level. Oh, it's amazing. Okay. Of my identity, I guess. Well, my first one is, I guess, continuing my story from before is my calling to ministry. Um, Yeah, like after all of what God showed me through um, serving as an interim pastor, I guess, and serving with Jericho Falls Ministry, um, I ended up going to seminary and I graduated. um, And during that time, I stayed on at my home church. I did Sunday school ministry, I did youth ministry, and towards the end I started like a young adult English ministry. So I got the full experience (laughs) and I was supported by the church. Um, They wanted me to just do everything that I can. So um, in 2008, um, a year after I graduated from seminary, um, I took my ordination exams, passed, I um, got interviewed and everything was fine. And all that was needed to be done was to actually set an ordination date. And as I'm starting to prepare for this, um, I got called in to my senior pastor's office along with a few elders saying that, um, Kay, um, congratulations on everything that's happened, but we don't think you're ready yet for this ordination. Hmm. And I was like, excuse me, um, wh- what's going on? Did I miss out on something? And pretty much they told me that number one, I was too young. <laughs> I think I was like either 28 or 29 at that time. So I really wasn't mm, that young. No. And number two, um, I was single. So they were <laughs> fearful for me that once I get ordained, that that was going to be kind of like a marker that I was going to be single for the rest of my life. So um, I said, thank you, um, but no thank you. And I spent the next few months kind of like in prayer, what are the next steps for my life? And I just prayed, God... um, I just want to grow in my ministry. I'm, I'm not even going to put on the stipulation of, I want to get ordained. You know, I just want to grow in ministry. Where do I go from here? Hmm. And that answer was, you know, okay, you've been serving at your home church for a long time now, ever since you were like 18 years old. Um, I want to see other opportunities that are out there other than like, serving the families and kids that you have known your whole life. So he was able to move me to a different church. And thankfully, I was able to go with the blessing of my home church. Hmm. So in a situation that was a little awkward and odd, um, I was able to leave. So um, once I moved on to the new church, um, it was completely different in that I wasn't a big fish in a small pond anymore, but I was a very <laughs> tiny, tiny, tiny little fish <laughs> in this vast ocean. And it was scary and daunting at first, but man, I learned so much about ministry. Mm. You know, when you're at home, it's comfortable. 
and yeah, like it's hard to um, think of new ideas because you know you're doing the same thing over and over again. Do you think from the initial I don't want to call it rejection mm. from your original church and from what you experienced before in a sense of corporate life and just coming on board to serve. Was your reaction to that rejection expected in a sense that like what you learned in the past prepared you for that moment, do you think? Actually, I think I was really, really shocked. Okay. Because all along they had been so supportive and when I received that news as a 20-something, as a I just felt like, wow, they're being so sexist. How, <laughs> how can they like yeah. come out like this, guns yeah. blazing? But, you know, the whole thing like 2020, uh, how do you say that phrase? Oh, Everything's, uh, hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. Um, when I think back now, um, I can't help but think that it wasn't, about them seeing me as like a powerless little girl. But I really think it was the fact that they were not just my pastors and elders, but they, they saw me grow up hmm. since I was like 13, 14 years old. Right. And I think a lot of it was them caring for me as like a father. Okay. So when I think about it that way, um, it makes me love them and respect them. And most importantly, forgive them. Because for a long time, okay, yeah. I, I held this like anger against them saying, how dare you fool me and trick me into thinking that I was going to you know, move on and grow in my ministry. Right. But honestly, I think it was a great gift and blessing in disguise. Well, that's what God was doing. He was right. using them. That timing of yeah, that decision yeah, yeah. was saying, yes, you are not ready for that, but... yeah. Well, I mean, it felt like the whole situation, you knew God was in it. But like you said, when you look back, where, where was that? Was there a moment that God broke through and said, okay, you know, yes, you were rejected here, but this door is opening, right? When they told me that they just wanted me to stop in my process of being ordained as a minister, a word and sacrament, I just felt completely um, rejected, like... How can I go on from here? I, I felt a little ashamed. Mm -hmm. um, how am I supposed to continue on my ministry in a way? Um, but God redeemed all of that. Right. And sent me to a different place to minister. And um, I, I learned so much. And I feel like my identity as a pastor grew so much. And I don't think that could have happened at my home church. Right. All right. Okay. Okay, and then when moving on to the new church, mm. then everything else, did everything else fall into place? Like the process was back on track? So that would be like an ideal yeah. story, right? <laughs> yeah. But it, it doesn't end that way. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent the next, I think, about eight years of my life um, serving at this church. Um, I, I did a whole lot of things. I did youth ministry. I did um, young adult ministry. I even did some nonprofit work. And I'm telling you, like, I learned so much, all the different aspects of serving people. And um, it just so happens that um, this church that I was serving for so long was kind of going through some denominational issues. So all, like, ordinational processes came to a halt. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I went into that 
church asking God, God, I just want to grow in ministry. But of course, I also wanted to grow in um, my title, but it, it wasn't the right timing. And I continued to serve the best that I could. And that's the church you were at until your hiatus now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah. I'm not getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Okay, wow. All right. That, <laughs> that is so, so that's kind of like a, like a mini like breakthrough, right? Right. But I guess it's kind of like leading to like the major breakthrough that I'm kind of going through right now. now. Okay. Right now. Okay. And yeah. I'm excited to hear what that is. <laughs> and that kind of is... Um, intermingled with, I guess, like my newfound identity as uh, a mother. Right, yeah. right. So all throughout my 20s, um, I was forming my identity as uh, a pastor, as a female pastor. And in my 30s, um, I got married. And um, because I was a little older, uh, we started planning to have a family right away. I got married in 2013. And... Um, a few months later, I got pregnant in 2014. But unfortunately, um, I had a miscarriage. And it was a type of miscarriage that was very um, dangerous for me in that if we didn't catch it um, in time, um, I possibly could have died. It was very, very dangerous. and. Recovery after that miscarriage was about half a year for me. And not only was it painful um, physically, um, it was very um, painful for me um, spiritually and psychologically because that was also when I found out that it might be difficult for us to have children. And it turned out to be a, a right uh, diagnosis because uh, for the next two years, um, we were um, praying and hoping for um, children, and it took a really, really long time. And after like maybe two and a half years, and at the end of 2016 is when God blessed us with not just one <laughs> child, but two, Henry and Violet. Um, what a tremendous blessing that was for, for me, my, my husband, but also for my church too. I shared um, our journey with the church as we were going through it. So the church was praying for us all those two years. Um, they were struggling with me as I was trying to heal physically. So finally, when I was able to break that news to them that I was pregnant, <laughs> the whole church erupted. It was, I'll never forget that. Oh, wow. And then when I told them that I was pregnant with twins, <laughs> I'll never forget the looks on some of the girls in the, in the congregation. Like they were utterly shocked and could not, they didn't know what to do with their mouths. It was just like gape, <laughs> like gaping open, wide open. Uh. So um, yeah, that was such like a, a glorious moment us in the way that um, we celebrated together and then a year later God gave us another one <laughs> wow so I was the woman who was um, dealing with infertility issues to having three babies in two years so that that's kind of crazy <laughs> <laughs> that definitely is and I, I just uh, I, I'm amazed I really am that 
you were able to sustain and obviously for you, your family to go through that. I mean, thankfully you had that support. And obviously the church, just that reaction alone is just tremendous. I wish I was there in the building. <laughs> probably the building shook for like probably minutes and yeah, yeah, hours, yeah. whatever. Just, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I, that is truly amazing that what God does taking, it's heartbreak. Mm. It really is. And I, I, for me, being a father, could not imagine, you know, if I knew I had to mis have my wife miscarry or even abort a baby because of issues mm. um, and how precious life is. It really is. Yeah. And then when I see your kids, even in pictures, <laughs> I am in love with them. So, um, but I just, I'm really amazed. I mean, what, what did it for you? I feel like, you know, to go from two, two years or so of unknown mm. to having double bundle in the in the oven with Henry and, Vi uh, and Violet. What was that like? What, what sustained you? You know, I, I really think um, even through the suffering, like I wasn't doing it on my own, mm. you know? Um, my family and especially my church family, they carried that burden with me. And when I was crying, I know that I wasn't the only one weeping. I know that there were so many others weeping with me. I particularly remember this one Sunday where, you know, I was home because I was still healing. And a couple of like um, the congregants called me saying, I feel like the worship set was for you. Hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and they, they came back saying all the songs um, just reminded me to pray for you and your family. But it wasn't just one person that called and said that. And you have no idea how encouraging that was mm. for me at the time when, you know, I was so um, depressed and, and lonely and I didn't know what my future looked like because, you know, I couldn't even go to church, you know, because I was still healing. Right. And um, all my hopes of having a family, I didn't know what that looked like. And during that time, God raised up my church family to really fill that void. That is yeah. tremendous. Yeah. And it, that just shows how God puts people in our lives. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. obviously you and I have this connection and friendship and your church and our church and my church and, and the people around that we, we may not even know sometimes mm -hmm. saying, oh, I'm praying for you because... God told me so. Mm. And you know, that's, that's kind of the goal too of this, of this podcast to know that you know, we can share these stories or words of encouragement to people who I guarantee would be in a similar boat, have this depression, or have this upsetting situation, but knowing that there are people praying yeah. you know, and people supporting you. And look what happened. I, I really don't know if I could have gotten through that time without my church family. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you, know, you speak of family and obviously, you know, we are here for reasons, and obviously, thanks to our parents, we are here. And we've all made decisions and have gotten to a place in our life because of people. So I'm assuming there are a few people in your life, Kay, mm -hmm. that you know that you can truly turn to and go to and know that no matter what, this person or persons mm. has my back and has gotten me through thick and thin. Do you have a few people like that or no? Yeah, so I have this one person um, that... It encompasses like a lot of different relationships, 
Because usually when, when you think of relationships, it could be like a, a really close friend or, or family or um, even like a coworker, some that you work with, like you see and work with every day, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this person I'm going to share about at one point was all three for me. Wow. Um, it's my uh, friend slash coworker slash um, cousin-in-law. Her name is Esther. And um, she was my friend first. We met at seminary. Nice. Yeah. And we took summer Greek together. Like, we grew together um, spiritually. And then we ended up serving together at my previous church. Um, we were both on board as youth pastors. So we got to really minister to the youth and young adults together. And that really allowed us to um, be used by God, you know, mm. in ministry. And lastly, um, I ended up marrying her cousin. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. Yeah, so now she is my cousin-in-law. So, like, people say, oh, like, when you're so close to somebody, you you're say, like, oh, well, yeah. you're, you're like family, right? right. Well, she's literally. literally my family now. <laughs> yeah. And, and I had to pick her because <laughs> she has gone through so much herself. And, you know, like, she loves the Lord. Like, mm. she's had so many of these, like, breaking points. And she knows that whatever situation that you're in, that God is there. Mm. And God will pull you, pull you through. And she has been that person for me. That's awesome. In that I might not even have to say anything, but she would know. And she would speak words of truth into my life. And you, you know, sometimes like when people talk to you, you know that they're just trying to like butter you up, trying to like just make you feel better. Like when she speaks to you, like it, it's not just for the heck of it. Like she really sees what you do what your gifts and skills are, and she really like wants you to know them. That's a true friend. Yeah, because a lot I, of the times, like you forget. Right, and I feel that like that being genuine is not a, a trait these days. Mm. You know, because it's more of like, what have you done for me lately, instead of what can I do for you. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad you have Esther. Mm. Um, like you know, as we said, it's important to have these people, mm. and she really knows you, which is nice. You know. Yeah, and this age of like we're we're Facebook friends, we're Instagram friends, where you just kind of know the surface level. Right. She's one person that I know that knows me at a, at a deep core level. Okay, yeah. yeah. And always you can go to her for whatever. Yeah. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Well, I am here with Kay Lee on the Majestic Road podcast. Thank you, Kay. Uh, again, she is just a wonderful woman, so thankful to have her uh, in my life and everything we've done in the past and will continue to do in the future, mm. uh, definitely serving uh, God and His work. And you've definitely shared a lot of stories that have impacted you. But now, just as God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, it's time for Burning Questions. Kay, are you ready? Uh, I don't know, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> These are fun. You've spent a lot of time speaking mm -hmm. to youth, to adults, and many people. If you were given the chance to actually speak and give a sermon, like a Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus did, at any venue around the world, where would that be? You know, I, I want to say something, like something big, right? Like some huge, like, conference or rally or something like that. 
but honestly, um, because I, I, I still don't have that ordination abilities yet, I have this great um, jealousy of um, being able to preach and um, baptize hmm. children and people. This is what I would love. Not, not so much on like a grand level, like a huge um, conference, but I would love it if I could preach on a Christmas morning or an Easter morning mm. where there is this vast baptism where, I don't know, thousands of people are ready to receive Christ into their lives. And right after I, I deliver this word of God that is given to by Him alone, given to the, the congregation by God, um, I get to just administer baptism, you know, allowing them to die to themselves and to be born again new in Jesus Christ. That would be such a dream for me. That would be an impressive scene to see. <laughs> oh, I'd be there for that. Imagine that, having thousands of just getting ready to like receive. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. No, that's good. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and staying on the lines of being somewhere, and mm -hmm. I know you've done missions, mm -hmm. you've been on missions, and you've seen the impact it does. Is there a place, I mean, you can think about it, or has there been a place in your heart that you feel like we should go there, or I would want to go there? Mm -hmm. Is there a place like that for you? Well, with my previous church, we had this amazing relationship with a church in um, the Yucatan. Hmm. And as, as long as I was a member of um, the church, we went to serve um, at this partnering church in Mexico um, for, for eight years. And out of those eight years, um, we de developed such a great relationship with them that we raised up leaders and disciples that we were able to see second, third, fourth generations wow. of leaders coming up out of that. And I don't know, is it sad? Um, it was sad that we had to um, say goodbye to that ministry, but not because it wasn't growing. We set it up so that they, we didn't need to go there anymore. Right. They're continuing on the ministry that we partnered doing together like 10 years ago. So I think when I think of missions, it can't just be, oh, we're going to go somewhere okay. for the summer and that's it. Okay. Like it has to be this like ongoing relationship because I, I, I saw for myself what that can do. And there's, like, a, and there's a lot to choose. I mean, I, I would feel that nowadays there's a lot of places to go to that we can set that foundation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you pick a place, you can go anywhere. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Like my friends are in like Cambodia. Yeah. They're in like places in China, like just God will send you wherever you need to be. All right. That's, yeah. that's, that's definitely a very good point. Very good way of saying missions. Okay. Yeah. I like that. All right. Uh, now I have to change course, but okay. So if you had to describe yourself as a sandwich, <laughs> what would it be? Oh my goodness. So um, I am an East Coast New Yorker through <laughs> and through, but um, my husband is from Chicago, right? And there is this one sandwich oh, no. that I love from Chicago. And Walter, you have to help me. It's like this like wet sandwich. Just um, um, 
Portillos. Portillos. Yes. They're, they're steak sandwiches. That, that, that beef. Yeah, beef, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I am that really? sandwich. Really? Yes. <laughs> With like the... The, the, the peppers, the, the peppers, onions. onions, like everything. You're and a like, Portillo's fan. Oh my fan. gosh, it is so good. Okay, so okay. I would be that delicious sandwich. <laughs> oh, do they deliver to the East Coast or no? <laughs> Interesting. Oh, gosh, that's right. He's from Chicago. I lived in Chicago for yeah. several years, and we went there a lot. There was that. There was Mr. Beef or Frank's Beef. I don't know. What's the I, same? No. I but... always want to go to Portillo's. <laughs> okay. Okay, you're making me very hungry, but okay. Uh, we're going on with the burning questions here. What's harder? Raising toddler twins and an infant <laughs> or prepubescent teenagers on a Friday or Saturday night? So, Walter, tell me, what's worse, like a diaper blowout <laughs> or like a verbal diarrhea oh, blowout? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> like twin poop everywhere or middle school girls like fighting. I, I don't know. I honestly like they, they I, it could go either way. You've definitely seen either end of this. Yes, story, I have. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. We can move on from that. All right. And now for the fun part, um, as you mentioned to me before, you are a fan of Game of Thrones. Yes. I've been able to watch everything up until now. And as we're taping this, it is season eight, so we won't go into <laughs> what has happened or could happen. So at the end, when it's all said and done, Miss Kay, who will sit on the Iron Throne when the show is over? Oh, my goodness. Who will sit on that throne, huh? Um, who's going to sit on that throne? <laughs> Say something now, and then when we, the show is done, we'll listen back and be like, yeah, you were right or you were wrong. Well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm really about you know, women asserting themselves right now. So I wouldn't mind seeing um, the, the mother of dragons you know, sitting on that, but that would be too mm. obvious. So I'm thinking maybe one of the, the Stark sisters. Okay, okay. So you think John, a.k.a. AKA Aegon, mm -hmm. has a legitimate right to the throne since he is the first yes. male. right. I feel that, and this is how his character has been shown on the show, every opportunity given to him, he doesn't take. Mm. Like he knows that he's not really a Stark. Right. Goes to the Night's Watch. He is king of the North, but then he goes to the uh, search for the White Walkers and leaves them. Mm. And now he finds that he's the true heir to the throne. I feel that he's going to step aside mm. and do the right thing. So that to me is right. And then who actually sits on it? I agree. I think it's going to be a female. Mm. I hope it's not Cersei. <laughs> um, no, that, that can't happen. Um, <laughs> it can't happen. I, yeah, it's, yeah, the easy answer is Danny. Mm. But the harder one could be one of the Stark sisters. Okay, yeah, that's, that's actually very interesting. I don't know. I mean, just off the top of my head. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> and that's what expectations will see. Mm. All right, cool. Uh, obviously, it's, a, it's from a very interesting book from uh, George R. R. Martin. And you had mentioned that you do like writing. You know, mm. you haven't written. But if you were given a chance to write your own biography, mm -hmm. what would the title of your book be called? Oh my goodness. You're asking a sleep-deprived mother right now what my book would be called? Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Surviving on no sleep. No. I don't know. Right now it would be uh, sleep. Where are you? <laughs> it would be a children's book. Oh no, no. It's going to be an adult book with a lot of like expletives. <laughs> Angry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so no book, fine. Yeah, okay. no book. Not, right. not right now. <laughs> not right now? Okay. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Okay, that was fun. Okay, yeah. thank you. All right, so now for what's next, Kay. Um, I can ask, is becoming ordained something on the docket or still unsure, or how do you feel about that? Um, you know, that, that's a really good question to ask me right now because um, it's something, what, something that God is um, trying to clarify for me in my life. Um, so what's happening right now in my life is that, Walter, I think I shared with you earlier when I, when I met with you a month ago, was that I'm currently searching for a new church, a new church community. Uh, it's, it's a really hard time in my family's life because we've never really had to um, look for a church because we met at church. Right. We had our children, you know, at that church. Um, what happened was that the leadership decided to um, start a conversation um, that the church is going to start looking into a complementarian theology. And if I should just explain to the listeners very quickly, um, uh, one of the major points of that theology is that they don't believe in ordaining women. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just the beginning of a conversation. It's not like they um, came down to a decision and now it's like the new rule of the church. It, it's nothing like that. Um, started a conversation amongst the leaders and they um, shared it with their leadership. And I'm at a point in my life where I've already wrestled with the issues of women in ministry, and God has solidified it for me that he reveals himself to me as a, a leader in ministry, as a rightful woman who can preach and teach in the church. So I, I don't think this, that was an argument for me to um, spend time on. So after um, prayer with my husband um, for a few weeks, um, it was very clear that God wanted us to move on hmm. so that we're, not, we're no longer a, I don't know, like a, ro a roadblock for that okay. church. Okay. So um, we said thank you, um, but it's time for us to move on. And I believe we received their blessing as well. So that's where we are now. Um, but since then, it's been kind of like um, a big battle in my head. Um, it was a nice um, send-off from that church, I guess. But internally, uh, it got me to think about a lot of different things. All those years that I served at that church, is all of that negated? Mm -hmm. Like, do they not um, give any um, credence to the, the sermons that I preached? All of these little thoughts started creeping into my mind. And at the end of the day, it started um, getting at my, my calling. And I started to think, oh, then I, I must not be called if an entire church is rejecting me. So I think the enemy definitely was using this particular situation 
so that it wasn't just like a clean cut, but it was kind of like cutting away at my core of, of who I am. Right. But I really don't think that's what the church was doing. That's what the enemy was making me think. And it was getting me so down mm. and, and questioning what I believed myself to be for all these years, going to seminary and serving in all these different capacities. Right. I would sit in my room with these children crying and pooping all around <laughs> me going, is this what it's all come down to, God? You know, I wanted children so badly, and now you give me these smelly, crying kids, and I don't have ministry anymore, and my calling is gone. Is this what my life is down to? And that was a real low mm. for me. That stop of where my home church senior pastor said, oh, we're going to hold off on your ordination. That's like small potatoes compared to how down and just low I felt a couple of months ago. But then God really started speaking to me in just small ways. Um... Walter, you asked me, who are some of those people that really um, lift you up, right? And I mentioned my friend, coworker, uh, cousin. family, <laughs> cousin, <laughs> Esther. But there is this one other person um, that really helped me to regain my footing mm -hmm. after I, hit, I really hit that rock bottom. This kid happened to be a previous um, youth group student of mine. Wow. Now he's a senior in college. Oh. And he's like, I was his... Bible study teacher when he was like in middle school, this like big tubby little kid, right? <laughs> and now he's like this like really cool, like tall, like chiseled, like man, like he's like come a long way. <laughs> anyway, he just out of the blue texted me and was like, PK, um, thank you so much for the sermon that you gave about like Palm Sunday. And, and he continued to kind of like give details about, you know, the things that I, I shared. And he even like remembered kind of like the, the, the main crux, the main point and said, oh, this is what kind of like gives me like hope. And, and I remember it mm -hmm. when I go through my hard times. And I was like, wow, I don't even remember giving that sermon, but thank you for sharing that with me. And I think it was him that kind of like reignited this like spark mm. in my heart. And that's when God started slowly telling me, you know, you don't need a whole congregation of people telling you that you are great, that they loved your sermon. You don't need, you know, um, validation from your little stinky children saying, Mommy, you're great. You know, <laughs> you don't need that because that is who you are. I have called you to be a minister in the church, mm. and I have called you to be a mother. You don't have to choose one over the other. This is who you are. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very reassuring because I've heard, even for me personally, and just hearing what you just said, that like I was told, you know, X amount of years I've done this, X amount of years you've done this, and you've had your hills and valleys, but there was a reason behind that. Like you didn't just do that for nothing yeah you know you didn't go through the two churches and every rejection or even moving on 
and you know you didn't go through the miscarriage and the struggles and now having three beautiful children because God knew mm. you know and it, I'm so encouraged to hear that because I do know and I do believe for you that yes you are a minister you have this gift and I hope I do hope that there will be an ordination someday for yeah, you yeah I, I hope so too I mean wh whatever God yes. leads me to right yes. I, I, I will follow him yes um, Thankfully, I'm no longer in that like deep, dark pit <laughs> where I feel like all, all that has been stripped away from me. Right. But like you just said, um, I see the beauty of all the different avenues that God has brought me to this point. Right. And it, it was all worth it. And my identity of who I am as a pastor and a, as a mother has never been this solid before. And, and right now, I'm a pastor that's not pastoring over a church. Right, right. You know? But I still feel so confident in knowing that um, I am called to teach and preach and be his mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. That's true. And I think for me, I'm just getting this word, like, endurance is something I see for you. Mm. You've endured, but it's in a way where God is really going to anoint you. And I'm so touched seriously this oh, is thank you for saying that no seriously like i i'm everything you've said i i remember when i emailed you too i was like were you ordained and you're like oh that's my story then i was like yes <laughs> that's right and then i forgot about the babies and all that before and i'm like wow god you've really done a number in a, in a good way mm -hmm. and i see this word endurance and i think that means it's going to be more for you mm -hmm. and you're preparing yourself for whatever it is next and as you said minister mother mouthpiece for God, mm. which is beyond words I can imagine, <laughs> and I just love it. So uh, we will wrap shortly after this one last thing. Um, you've obviously encouraged me, and hopefully to anyone listening, but, you know, is there a parting gift? Obviously now with your children for Henry, Violet, and Emma, you know, and like you said, you want to empower, you know, not just women, but empower everybody mm. to say, let us love the Lord and really honor what he's done mm. for us you know maybe there's something recently or even in your life that you can say hey take this with from me and use it to go on so I would love to um, sound all like holy and, and give you like a bible verse or some like sing like a maybe verse a Rudy line like... or something <laughs> sing like a hymn or something play like a champion today <laughs> but this is something that I journaled um while I was kind of like in my pit. And, um, okay, don't laugh. There's this Netflix, Netflix show called um, Working Moms. And I'm sure you didn't watch it. It's like such like a specific genre. I'll ask my wife right? about that. <laughs> and um, it's, I don't know, it's pretty crass. Uh, <laughs> but it makes me laugh out loud because like I can really identify with like, you know, the women in the show, mm -hmm. right? And there was this like one scene um, that really got to me. Um, this mom is jogging with her baby stroller um, in, the, in like the park, the woods or something. And the sitcom was that there was a, a bear loose, okay? But it was like, you know, in the news and it never happens to you, right? right so right. she was like jogging with the baby and all of a sudden, like, there is this huge black bear standing in front of her and her baby. So what does she do? She doesn't like freak out and like start crying or anything, but she plants her feet on the ground and screams at the top of her lungs. 
Like, ah! And the bear, you know, instead of like, you know, lunging at her, you know, just retreats back and, and walks away. And the, and the end scene of, you know, and the ending scene is the mother just, after like letting out that giant scream, she falls to her knees in front of her baby and just starts crying. Huh. That scene really spoke to me in that I feel like that a lot. As a mother, um, I have this great responsibility and duty to take care of them, to be the best mom that I can be. But I feel like there are so many things that scare me. Hmm. And one of them was losing my ministry in a way, which was my identity, right? And that, that scared me a lot. But now I could stand up to my fears and just let it out. But it reminds me of this, this verse from Second Chronicles. It says, the battle is not yours, but God's. Hmm. Take up your positions and stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. It's not just, God, you take care of it. I'm scared. But you got to plant your feet and you mm. got to scream and you got to do your part too. But knowing that it's not my battle, it, it, it's God's. Mm. And that really, that, that little dumb show <laughs> encouraged me to plant my feet and say, God, use me. Even if I'm at home, kind of like in my little like enclave, like with my children, and I feel like I don't know what's going on in the world, God, I'm going to plant my feet and do the best that I can. Hmm. It's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to check out the show. Oh, please don't. <laughs> I'm going to be embarrassed if you watch it. No, then I'll say, there's something about screaming, mm. in a sense, where I feel that like it's a release. And that's another word for me. I mean, not to make it about me. Mm. But, um, you know, my wife will tell you, if, you know, that to really release your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts out loud, or even just out to God, mm. is for me realizing how relieving it is, how exciting it is you know you know there's a point where I was just like I have to share it or I have to say it and after I did I felt better mm. you know and I clearly I see that in you and I mean that verse is yes I love it standing firm and you know really you know being a warrior and being strong and I think that's like I said you're enduring and yeah. that's that's so I think that word came to me during our conversation mm. and I'm seeing this now and it just solidifies that and I am so, so encouraged by this and, um, and what's next. You know, I hope to, uh, obviously, we'll keep this friendship going for another 11 years. <laughs> so another Facebook alert saying, hey, that's your friend. That's right. Um, and I'll see what's next. And Kay, I thank you so much for joining us today. And I, I'm really encouraged. And I hope your story definitely will encourage others and inspire others. And um, we'll see what's next. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks to everyone for listening. I hope that what we shared was inspiring and transformative for your life and will help you continue your personal walk with God. 
If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. If you would like to recommend someone to join the show, please send us a message on our Twitter account, at Majestic Road. Many thanks again to Kaylee for joining us. If you feel like a journey seems too tough, remember, God will put people in your lives to make that journey an amazing one. So be on the lookout. God's plan for you are always good. I'm Walter Lim. Take care and God bless.